of you in the room know that I like to preach through the Bible. I take a book and start um, preaching, and we should be in Romans chapter 15 this week, but I feel like the Lord um, changed my sermon, and um, and that really makes me uncomfortable. And so, but I, if you'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2, and so we're just going to try to obey the Spirit of the Lord today. And uh, I, I made some points last night as I felt like the Lord was doing this. Um, I'm really not one of these Saturday night special guys. I, I like to plan. I'm a planner. Um, but I titled this, You Ask a Hard Thing. And I am going to ask you a question is it hard for God or hard for you? You ask a hard thing, but whose perspective is that? Is that it's hard for God or is it hard for you? Amen. Second Kings chapter 2 says, And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'll not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who are Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take your master from you, from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. And then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here. Please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he says, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'll not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take your master from over you today? And so he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan And as he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'll not leave you. So as the two of them went on, about 50 of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way so they could, so the two of them could cross over on the dry ground. So it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you? before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, Please let let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so um, for you. But if not, it will not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Father God, we just come before you today. 
Lord, I'm so thankful for Your presence and for the Spirit of God. Lord, I know that You have a message for this people. And Father, Lord, I just ask, Lord, that I would be a conduit today. That You would speak through me clearly, Lord, so that all can hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. Not what a man has to say, but what the Spirit of the Lord has to say. I pray that the Spirit would refresh us and challenge us and lead us into deeper waters than we've ever been before. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, for You are my rock and my Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's an exciting portion of Scripture. Um, Probably most of you have studied this before and you know a little bit about what's going on. Uh, Elijah is probably the most mighty prophet that Israel has ever had. And so well esteemed, um, and yet just a man. The, James tells us he was a man just like us. And so, but God, God was on that man and did great and mighty things. And so you remember when, when Elijah was on Mount Carmel and they were, Israel was deep into idol worship and he had all the prophets of Baal come up. And most people think it was 400 prophets. Actually, it was 850 prophets that were killed that day, if you read closely. And um, so that the fire from heaven came down to, and consumed the altar, remember? And so, but right after that, he goes through a little bit of depression because the lady Jezebel says, I'm going to have your head, buddy. And so... Right, pretty much after that, God tells him, go and go and put your mantle on Elisha, because he's going to be second, in other words. Go and appoint your mentor, um, the next person that's going to follow you. And so he did that. So this is sort of the picture of where we're at. Elisha's following him. And a great day for Elijah. He's getting ready. One of two men that never died in Scripture, right? Enoch. Enoch, the Bible says, walked with the Lord and, and he was not. I heard one preacher said that God looked down at him and said, hey, we're closer to my place than we are to your place. Why don't you come on home with me? <laughs> so he just goes on up to heaven. And then Elijah is taken by a whirlwind. Um, and it seemed like everybody knew it. Isn't that fascinating? You know, there's a word in the Bible that says God doesn't do anything that he doesn't tell his prophets. And so God's speaking even today through His prophets. And so Elisha has a unique opportunity of asking Elijah, you know, for something special. And he asked him for a double portion of the Spirit that's on you, that it would rest on me. Now, that was the energizing power uh, of that prophet was the, was that double portion of his spirit it was it was the spirit in which elisha prophesied and lived his life and you know elijah would go before the king ahab a, w- a very wicked king would just tell him exactly what the word of the lord was not always good things but um he says um you must see me leave i think that's really significant because today in the church sometimes we feel like it's all about what God is doing in us. And we sometimes downplay what are we doing in Him. Right? You know, when my kids were little, 
Sometimes we would make them put money in. If they wanted to buy something big, we sometimes would make them put a little money in. You know why? Because they treated whatever they got, they treated a lot better if they had some skin in the game. Right? They didn't leave their bicycle parked behind my truck if they had a few dollars invested in it. And the same way with you. The Bible says... You know, the Bible talks about how the Holy Ghost purifies us and the Word of God purifies us, but there's one scripture that says purify yourself. There are things that you need to do um, to, to be vested. God has invested Christ in you. What are you investing in Him? Are you investing your whole heart? Or just a part of your heart? Are you in this part-time or would you say, this is not a part-time gig for me because Jesus is my life, right? Jesus is my life. So I, I found it interesting that um, that Elijah said, well, if you whatever you want, you're going to have to see me go. And then he goes to Bethel. And Bethel means house of God. Elijah goes to the house of God. Do you know what I'm seeing today in the church? I'm going to get just a little rough on you. People don't want to go to church anymore. And I'm going to tell you something, and I mean it, and I'm going to tell you in as much love as I can tell you. You need to be in the house of God every time the doors are open. Because that's where we get refreshed. It's where we get filled up. I know some of you think, <laughs> I had a man jokingly tell me the other day, he said, man, he said, you wasn't there. And I went to my quarterly meeting. <laughs> I thought, shame on you. <laughs> you know better. Folks, if you don't like church, I'm a little worried about you in heaven. I heard one man say the other day, he said, uh, you know, some people will say this. He says, well, the church has offended me, so I'm not going back. Has anybody at Walmart ever offended you? A Kroger? How come we can still go back there? Right? You know, there's hypocrites at Walmart. There's hypocrites at the gas station at Kroger. But yet we have no problem going back. Hey, I'll just take it off the plate. I promise you there's hypocrites in this place. Because I'm here. And I'm a bit hypocritical every once in a while. And the Lord is dealing with that. Folks, I want you to know, going to the house of God is going to be a prerequisite. I really believe that with all my heart. I believe this is really significant. That he went to Bethel, the house of God. Folks, Times are going to get harder. And we need a family that we can come together with and encourage each other and pray with each other and hear from God with each other. And from there, the, the guys came and they said, Hey, you know your, your, you know your mentor is going to be taken up today? And he said, Shut up. <laughs> Leave me alone. I don't want to hear it from you. The Lord is speaking to me. We'll come back to that.
So then from there, from Bethel, he says, well, I need to go to Jericho. Now, Jericho is an interesting place. Jericho is what we call a paradox. It's a paradoxal city. And so, what does that mean? It means that things don't go together sometimes. It's like um, Jericho was a, an oasis in the desert that doesn't go together. Jericho was a place that according to which way the wind would blow, they would either pick up the smell from the Dead Sea, which smelled like sulfur, and it would stink all through the city, or else if the wind was blowing another way, it would blow through these palms and through these beautiful uh, flowering cactuses that had a great aroma, and the aroma would fill the city with this sweet smell. Folks, I think this is so interesting that he had to go to Jericho. Because see, to me, the Christian life is a paradox. Everything about the teachings of Christ is a paradox to the way we were raised. To the things that you learned in school. It, it goes, if you want to be rich, um, give. Mama didn't teach me that. <laughs> Right? Hey, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become the servant of all. That doesn't make sense. No, sure doesn't. Hey, the meek's going to inherit the earth. Well, we think meek is weak. Are, Are you getting what I'm saying? Everything about the teachings of Christ, when He came in, He started teaching about a new kingdom. It was a paradox to what they had been taught. And that's why God has to transform your mind through the renewing of the Word. Because He's got to get the world out of your head. So that you can embrace the doctrine of the kingdom. I had a couple others. It says, given it shall be given to you. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. What is a yoke? It's a harness. That ain't easy, folks. Burdens are not light, except in the kingdom, because God is a paradoxical God. He makes things, He turns, He says, humble yourself in the Lord, and He will lift you up. That's a paradox. Third thing I notice is we've got to shut down the distractions from this life if we want to see the power of God. I think it was really interesting that it seemed like everybody Everybody knew that Elijah was getting ready to leave. Folks, this is not like it happens every Monday. I I don't know. Have you ever seen anybody go up in a whirlwind? (laughs) No, it's only happened one time in the creation of the world. But all these people knew it was about to happen. Hey, Elisha, he's going today. Be quiet. You know, if you're going to get where the Lord wants to take you, you're going to have to silence some of the voices around you. You know what's interesting? They were right. I could see if they were saying stupid stuff, right? I could see him saying, be quiet. But they wasn't saying stupid stuff. They were saying stuff that was getting ready to happen. But he didn't want to hear it from them. He wanted to see it in the Spirit of God. 
He wanted to experience what, what God was doing. You know, the Bible says the cares of this life will choke off the Word. Folks, it's a good thing for people to work. But you can get so involved in your work that you forget to pray. It, it's actually a paradox that he says pray without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing and take care of your kids? Make dinner. Do all the things that you got to do. Denny's an accountant. You know, there's part of me that says, I don't want you praying when you're keeping my books. I want you keeping my books. <laughs> I want your whole focus there. But we're divided. Our mind is always to be upon the Lord, right? I want to... There's a verse in Colossians, and I love this verse. Colossians chapter 3, he says, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Seek the things above. And then he says, set your mind. You get it? Set your mind. Set it. Like you're going to set the oven. Set your mind. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. I think this is where we blow it. I think too often our minds are set on the things of the here and now. What I got to do today. And I'm a planner. I don't know if you are. I'm a planner and I'm a list maker. Right? So I'm always thinking about what I need to do. How can I get all this stuff accomplished? But you know what? The Lord says, you seek me first. And I'll add everything else to your life. Then my favorite verse of this passage says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. That's such a great challenge. He says, For you died. Who died? Who died? Is he talking about Jesus? No, no. He's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about you. He said, Ruth, you died. When did Ruth die? When she gave her heart to Jesus. He says, for you died. And your real life is hidden in Christ. Oh, you want to live, baby? Live in Jesus. Die to the things of this world. Let Christ live in you. Now listen to this last verse. And when Christ, listen to this adjective, who is my life. Come on. Can anybody say, whoo, that's good. Would you say that? If you're writing a letter to your children, would you say, hey, Christ, who is my life? When He appears, then you'll also appear with Him in glory. I think I'm trying to ask you a question today. Is Christ your life? we got too many nominal Christians. We don't have too many sold out for Jesus. And the sold out ones are the ones that change the world. It's the ones that change the world. So he told them, he said, guys, he said, uh, you need to be quiet. Have you got anybody at work always telling you what to do or what to think? Sometimes you got to tell them, 
you need to cut it off. Not in an irreverent way, not, not rudely, but silence them. The best of men are only men at best. I can give you the best wisdom that I know, but it may be man's wisdom. And you don't need man's wisdom, you need God's wisdom. Wisdom that is from above, that is first pure and holy. Let's see where we're going here. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom, not seek tenth. Seek first. He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love, your, love the Lord with every ounce of being that you are. Uh, does that sound like we're adding Christ to our life? No. And that's what's happening today in our world. People are adding Christ to their life, to their doctrinal faith. Well, I, you know, I believe this. And yeah, that sounds pretty good. I think I'll just add Christ. Jesus Christ plus anything else is a perversion of the Gospel. It's Christ and Christ alone. Right? You don't add Him with all the things that you think. You, you put on Christ. And then He begins to give you your doctrine. He begins to teach you who you are in Him. Paul said this, I want to know Him. I've said that before. But he goes on. He said, I want to know the power of the resurrection. And I said, Amen. Buddy, I want to know the power of the resurrection. And then he leaves me at the verse. And I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Whoa, put the brakes on, Paul. Come on, man. You had me when you're talking about the power of the resurrection. But do I want to know what it's like to fellowship with the suffering of Christ? When's the last time that you started praying for the lost and your heart was broken? He began to cry like never before that there's a world going to hell. And we're meeting together like, woohoo, party time. And your neighbor's going to hell. That ought to break our heart. That ought to, that ought to put a fire in us. What can I do? What's my part, God? I want to see Paris, Tennessee become a, a city of transformation. I believe with all my heart, God wants to give you more. God wants to put His mantle on you. You know what a mantle was, right? A mantle was the prayer shawl. It was sort of the symbol uh, of, you know, a, a Jew would wear this shawl under his clothes. And um, this was just there in the right spot at the right time, bless the Lord. And so they would have this shawl. And at any time that they wanted to go to the secret place, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that I'm in the secret place. 
Remember, it, it was a shawl that, that was a sort of a symbol of, of the authority of God and the power of God. And he said, keep your eye on me. Keep your eye on me. And there's something happened. And all of a sudden, this thing comes falling down as Elijah went up. That is so significant. See, that, that shawl had been rolled up in Elijah's hands. And he smote the Jordan River and it divided. So when it falls from heaven, Elisha now goes and gets it, rolls it back up, goes back to the Jordan, says, where is the God of Elijah? And that river backs up again and they're able to cross over. Now folks, you know why that's so significant? Think about this. In Acts chapter 2, I believe, there was a day when the disciples were watching Jesus and all of a sudden, He begins to ascend into heaven and all of a sudden, He drops His mantle. His mantle was the Holy Spirit. So then in Acts chapter 1, it sort of backs up and He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me. You see, it's not a hard thing for God. But sometimes it's a little hard for us. Will you accept what God is doing in this last day? Will you say no to your flesh and yes to the Spirit of the Lord? Will you make Him Lord and Lord of all? Not just a a sometimes God, not just a Sunday God, but an all the time God. So that when He speaks, we'll listen. You're going to be asked to do things that's going to make you very uncomfortable. Like a preacher sermon that you hadn't studied for. (laughs) Makes me very uncomfortable. God's going to ask you to do things. But it's God's grace in you. It's really not about you. You see, the only thing that limits you is you. Your own expectation of yourself. But when you ask God for a double portion of His Spirit, and when the power of God, when you receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you are so much more than just a human. So you're getting into some muddy water here, Pastor. (laughs) No, I'm not. Christ on flesh doing what flesh cannot do. There's no man that's ever saved another man. There's no man that's ever healed another man. I know doctors are used, but God Almighty does it. It's His business. But God uses flesh. God wants to use your flesh. If you're willing. If you are willing to even ask the Lord, Lord, count me in. I need a double portion of your Spirit. I want, I want so badly to know that, that you are here doing what I cannot do. You know, Peter says, everything we need for life and godliness, he's provided. God's already given it to you. It's not a hard thing for God. You know, in the Old Testament, it seems pretty whacked out. 
This guy goes to heaven and drops his prayer shawl. Another guy picks it up. And all of a sudden, he walks in that anointing. It's recorded that Elijah did seven miracles while on this earth. It's recorded that Elisha did 14. Double portion of his spirit. His last one was when he was dead and gone. They buried Elisha in this tomb. And his body laid in there, probably already, flesh was probably already gone. And there was a war going on. And somebody got killed in the war. And they didn't have time to bury him. So they said, pick up old Joe and throw him in that tomb. We don't want the animals to get to him. So they, they grab him and they throw him in there, not knowing that that was the tomb of Elisha. And old Joe's body hits Elisha's body and bam! power of God touches him, brought back to life. You see, our God is a life-giving God. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful? Sometimes you're talking too much death. You need to stop that nonsense. Quit telling yourself you're dying. Let's start saying we're living in Christ. Right? No, this has been a, a simple sermon. But it's, I believe it's the sermon that God wanted you to hear today. So I got a question for you. You want double for your trouble? You want double? You want triple? <laughs> I'll take some triple time, right? I believe the Lord wants to do something at the altar today. I know that's maybe a little different for some of you, but it's going to become very normal around here. You know, the Bible talks about the foolishness of preaching. Do you know that? The foolishness of preaching. And yet somehow he uses it to inspire our soul. To get us to a place where we humble ourselves and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And that place is the altar of God. And I had a dream Thursday night. And I was preaching this sermon and Friday, I talked myself out of it. I thought, oh, that was just a dream. <laughs> Saturday night in prayer, the Lord said, you better revisit that dream, boy. <laughs> but in that dream, I saw some of your faces. I saw you. I saw your face. Your hunger for God. God wants to do something in you. You need to quit saying everybody else. And you need to start saying, it's me. God wants to use me. Are you willing to be used? Folks, now this is a, this is a hard question. I want you to take it lightly. Do you want to ask God for a double portion of His Spirit? Of His Spirit, His power. And if that's you, would you come to this altar? Treva, would you come and pray, uh, play? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus went up and the Holy Spirit came down. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. He'll lead us into all truth. He'll take of the divine and, and bring it to your soul. He takes the Word of God and He illuminates it so it becomes real to you. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. It says that the Spirit searches the things of God. And then He brings it to us. Anybody have some questions in their mind that they need the Lord to answer? I promise you the Spirit of the Lord already knows that answer. And if you'll ask, He'll give it to you. He'll give you what you need for the moment. Father God, as we have assembled together in this place, down at this altar where people die, where things die, Father, we are prepared to have our life hidden in You. Father, we want to be able to say, for Christ, who is our life, Christ who is our life and when He appears I shall be like Him. Father, I pray Lord right now for a double portion of the Spirit of God to be Lord to all these. Lord, You said that if if we'll ask You'll give it, Father. Lord, we're asking today, Lord. We rebuke the devourer today, Lord. We rebuke Satan from this building and from our hearts and our minds. He has no place, no right, no authority in this place. God, I pray that only Your Spirit is moving now at this altar. Father, Lord, we are stepping into the water a little deeper today, Lord. And we need the presence of God, Father. Lord, sometimes what we've been doing is not working. Lord, we don't want to just keep doing the things that are not working. We need Your presence. We need a refreshing of the Spirit of God. We need the wisdom of heaven flowing through us. We need a man that can get a hold of the horns of the altar. We need men and women that know how to pray. God, we say, we're it, Lord. Here I am. Send me, Jesus. Lord, I may not be much, but everything I have, I dedicate it to You, Jesus. Now, Father, fill me with that power. Fill me, Lord, with that double portion of the Spirit of God. Lord, make me a witness, Father. Lord, make me somebody, Lord, that that will speak of Your goodness, that will be an example in this world. Lord, that You can use to bring a message to. That Your power will flow forth in me as I lay my hands on the sick, Lord. Your Word says they will recover. Not because of me, but it's because of Thee. It's because You're in me, Lord Jesus. Your presence. So Father, today symbolically, Lord, I reach down and I grab hold of the mantle of God. And I say, Lord, I'm putting it on, God. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I want to be clothed in Your Spirit. Clothed in the power of God. Not for my ego but for Your kingdom. God, it's not about me being great. It's about You being great, Father. Use me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Would you pray for each other? 
would just lay your hand on somebody and pray the power of the Holy Ghost would come upon them. Hallelujah.